you, Rian. Thank you, congregation. Thanks, worship team. Yo, just came into the presence. It was beautiful. Yes, and just the last few weeks, just coming into 412, all the preachers, all the um, in communities, um, this is church, speaking to Rian, saying, you know, how do we administrate a church service? And he was so transparent with finances, and just being transparent of how do we administrate a, a Sunday morning? And he was just saying, and I hope I can do it justice, but saying, you know, it's, it's that high challenge and high invitation. And the last few weeks has been high challenge, where it's, this is church, how do you do this? How, how do you administrate um, elders, deacons, and all these things? And it's that horizontal. But then it comes to that high invitation where we also go, hey, we want to go into a deeper relationship with God. We can't just go horizontal. The horizontal is very important because Rian is the elder and um, Andrew as the apostolic. They have to go the plumb line the whole time. Hey, guys, we're veering off here, so we have to bring it back. And so the, the horizontal is important, and, but the vertical is so important, and we do it in worship, but just lifting our gaze to Jesus again and going, Lord, we, we want that high invitation. We want that high view of God so that we can um, serve you better. So we have to have that intention. It's that um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then we can love our neighbor as ourselves. So just, um, and that's what I want to do this morning, just coming into, I want to give us a high view of God, just that we, we not, hey, this is what we have to do, which is good, but hey, this is who Jesus is. Amen? So I want to talk to us today about redemption. And before I tell the story, I want to ask you a question, a hypothetical question, because I know Altus likes to shout out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But what comes to mind when you hear the word redeem or redemption? We sing these words, my redeemer lives, and we, we hear it said, um, in him we have our redemption. But what, you know, what does it mean? And uh, you know, when I looked it up, it, I was surprised to see that it wasn't actually always a spiritual word. It was a, um, it was a financial term in the Old Testament used to connection with debt. So, you know, the financial guys, we, our eyes light up. It's, it's a financial term where this, the, the definition is um, to redeem something in ancient Israel meant to buy it out or to buy it back. So to see the origins of this, origins of this word, we have to go back to, to ancient Israel. And you guys know that if you know your history, um, it's the 12 tribes of Israel. They went to Egypt because there was a famine in Israel. They multiplied and multiplied, and the Egyptian masters said, hey, we need to put you in slavery. So they had 430 years of slavery. Finally, God, but at the appointed time, God rescues them, and he brings them out of slavery. And then, But the people were disobedient, and their hearts were hard. So they had 40 years in the desert. You know this in the wilderness. So just laying the groundwork of when they came into the promised land, finally they go into the promised land and they are given this beautiful promised land where the 12 spies said it was like a, 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 a land flowing with milk and honey. It was this beautiful land and these people got this land. They were divided 
by their tribes. The, la- the, the promised land was divided by their tribes, then their clan, and then their family. So the 12 tribes got land. Just a pop quiz. What tribe didn't get land, Altus? You can answer this one. The Levites. The Levites got, um, didn't get land. Why? Because they were full-time in the church. No, they were, they were called to be full-time serving at the temple. And so what Rio was saying, that the church supports the full-time guys. guys. So in ancient times, the 12 tribes, the other 11 supported the one tribe who served the Lord. But now the 11 tribes, they got their land. They got um, by, by tribe, so it was very important who was your tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of... Um, Altus, you can help me out here again, but um, <laughs> the 11 tribes got their land and then divided into, into clans because, they, you know, it was, a, it was already a nation. And then by family members. So each family member got a parcel of land. So I wanted to stress that because to see how huge it was for them to have land, to finally get land after all this, after years of slavery, after all their history of getting um, getting out of slavery, into the wilderness, and then they get land. But as you know, as people are, what would happen? Some Israelites found themselves again in financial difficulty due to perhaps wrong decisions, wrong um, choices, um, sometimes a series of unfortunate circumstances, and they were in financial debt. And if you were in financial debt, what's the options? There isn't a lot of money going around in those days. It was trading so first you could sell the couple of possessions you had, but the one thing is you can then sell the right of your land. So, but that history that I was just talking about, it was a, a very sh- almost shameful thing that you that just got this land would give it up. But, you, you know, financial difficulties, you, you give up the right to land. The other option was you could sell actually yourself into slavery. You can go to service this debt, I give myself to you, until the debt is paid. So what is the solution? What, you know, we got this land and how can we actually um, get it back? And so God made provision. Let's read um, the first scripture. So we were talking about that horizontal relationship and that vert- ugh, vertical and horizontal. So first God makes a provision. He says, in the year of Jubilee, the field will revert to the person from whom he bought it, the one whose land it was. So you see, God first made some provision. It says um, the year of Jubilee was the 50th year. So after every 50 years, it was like a, 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 almost a rest year. And God said, clear the debts because that inheritance I gave to you, just because your you know, father's father, father made a mistake, I want actually you to have your inheritance. And so after 50 years, you would get it. But guess what? 50 years is a very long time. So he made other provisions. Because 50 years is three or four generations of waiting, and you're actually then destitute. You have to sell yourself into slavery. And God didn't want that. So he made other provisions. And so we go to Leviticus 25, verse 25. It says, If one of your brethren, everyone say brethren, Becomes poor and has sold some of his possession. And if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, 
then he may redeem it what his brother has sold. So there we find the, the horizontal where your brethren can, can help you out. Let me just get to... So we see uh, who can help you out. It has to be a close relative. We see it has to be a close relative and it has to be... Um, so that's the, the two characteristics of a redeemer. And this is where coming from the beginning is that this is where we see the, the word redeem appear, where it's connected to financial and, and connected to debt. And so we see it had to be a close relative, and he, were, he had to be able and willing to pay the price to redeem. So you may ask, why a close family member? Why not a stray? Why can't someone? Because a stranger wouldn't care if you lost your land. But a close family member would care because you're part of his tribe. You're part of his clan. You're part of their family. And so, same with us as a church. We part, this is our tribe, this is our clan, this is our family. So if you lose ground, we lose ground. Your victories are our victories. Your hardships are our hardships. When you hurt, we hurt. But your joy is also our joy. So when you're part of this, this church, you're part of our tribe, you're part of our clan, and you're part of our family, and we care about you. So the Bible refers to Redeemer as a close family member. And in the, the old English term they used um, was part of your kin. So and then it's your kinsman. Because there's a beautiful word that comes through in the old translation. Some use guardian, trans, guardian Redeemer. But that word kinsman Redeemer is then connected where it says it's a Redeemer that can, can help a brother out. But he's your kinsman, he's your close relative. So it's a kinsman redeemer. And we, we start seeing that um, in, in the land of Israel. And so, let me just take a sip of water here. <laughs> Is everyone still doing right? And so we see this um, kinsman redeemer being used in some translations. But um, a kinsman redeemer then in ancient Israel was a male relative who, according to the laws and customs in the altars and had the privilege, but not the obligation, to redeem and to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble. So he was entrusted with securing one's release from oppression, because he could be enslaved, put himself in slavery, or some binding obligation where he sold the right to the, to the land. So a redeemer restores the rights and freedoms of another by avenging the wrongs and paying whatever price is required to set that person free. And we see this concept um, of a kingsman redeemer beautifully illustrated in the story of um, the book of Ruth. And I, I want to actually share just a few excerpts of the, of the story just so that we can get the gist and I'll try and summarize, but it's a beautiful story, and I encourage you guys to read it at home in your quiet time. Um, it's only four chapters just before the book of Samuel. So let's read um, Dylan Ruth 1, 1 to 5, so just to see how it's illustrated. So, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and sons, 
went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech's Noah's husband, Naomi's husband, <laughs> died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilian, the two sons of Elimelech, also died, and Naomi was left without her husband, two sons. Without her husband, her two sons. Without her two sons and her husband. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm Afrikaans. Everything comes before and after. <laughs> so you can see the situation now in ancient Israel. They're in a foreign land. And we can infer from the rest of the story, Elimelech, he left his tribe. You know, and we just saw how, you know, close-knit and... He just left the tribe, and it seems, and or we can see in the story, that he sold the right to the land. So when he died, and then his sons died, Naomi was left destitute. She had no, she had no rights to the land. She's in a foreign country, and she's, she's basically um, at everyone's mercy. And that's where we find ourselves sometimes. We, we're at the mercy and we don't even know it. But, so, I want to summarize just a little bit further. And we see Naomi going, oh, I need to go back to my homeland. Um, I don't have a male protector. I don't. And so she decides to go back. But her two daughters-in-law, she urges them to go back, back to their father's house. So that one day, because their husbands have died, they could have um, marry a new husband. And, and have children and so that the line could continue. But Ruth, and I was sh- uh, just read a few experts there. Ruth, the daughter-in-law, says to Naomi. And let's read um, Ruth 1, verse 16 to 18. Because I just want to show Ruth's heart. She, she had this beautiful, humble heart. Um, even though she was a Moabite, non-Jew um, lady. But listen to this. And this is such a beautiful piece of scripture, it says, but Ruth replied, because now, don't urge me to leave you, or to turn my back on you, where you go, I will go, where you stay, I will stay, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God, and so you see the, the daughter-in-law, a Moabite, she had this beautiful heart, um, and she makes this confession of faith in the God of Israel, and I think because of that God had mercy on her because she had that posture of humility. So, carrying on with the story, we see Naomi went to, um, they went back to Bethlehem, they destitute, and we see um, they're so destitute, they basically go after the harvesters and basically glean off the land, the grains of um, whatever's left, they pick up and that's their food. So it was a desperate situation. But I quickly want to read where the rescuer comes in, the redeemer, uh, in the story was a man called Boaz. And I, 
Let's want to see, it's Ruth um, 2, verse 1 to 13. And I quickly want to read, I know it's a bit, we, we, we're reading a, a long story, but it's, it's such a beautiful uh, course um, sequence of events, because you saw that they're destitute, and they're at their mercy, and, and now we see this, this man that's a picture of Christ come in, um, and they're in the field. It says, um, now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth and Mo- the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And I want to just carry on a little bit further, but I don't know necessarily have to read everything. Um, but it's this beautiful picture where we're introduced to this kingsman redeemer. He, he comes into the field. He's kind to his workers. He sees, now, he sees um, Ruth, and she's obviously not a Jew, and she's a stranger, and she, he invites her in and gives her, and he tells his workers, you know, leave more and more food for her so that she, she's provided for. And it's this beautiful picture of a person rescuing, but he then goes further. She goes back and she tells Naomi of all these things, and then she said, Naomi says, but that is my close relative. That is one of our redeemers. There were certain uh, people assigned of every clan that could redeem. And she was like, Ruth, don't you know that is our redeemer? And she, he can redeem us from this predicament. He, he is he's the only one that, and a few others that could re- redeem us. So what happened in chapter 3 is Naomi urges Ruth to go back to Boaz. And the way she asks him to redeem him is quite beautiful. It's a romantic comedy. <laughs> in Ruth um, 3 verse 9. So just but before the story, she, Naomi encourages her to go. And the way she asks him, can you be my redeemer? She said, first she goes, he, obviously she's he's startled by her because she... Just arrives. <laughs> he says, who are you? He says, I am your servant Ruth, she said. And then this is the, he says, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian or my kinsman redeemer of our family. And then further on in verse 17, so he he doesn't reject her there, and, she, and he also gives her six measures of barley. And he says, go back to your mother, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. What that means is he, was, he didn't reject Naomi when she, he asked her for the, you know, put your garment over me, saying, put your protection over me. And so he puts her protection over Ruth, uh, but then he also puts his protection over the mother-in-law. And saying that in, in that way, saying, I'm going to provide, 
I will. He's accepting that he will take responsibility. He will um, redeem the land and also Naomi because she had no children. And in, that, in those um, customs, it was one of the other things is because you got the land, all those things, but you had no offspring, it was also saying, you know, where does that land go to? And it was the, one of the customs was she must marry again inside that family so that his li- her line can carry on. So in the, in the final chapter, Boaz goes to the elders of the city and, and puts in his claim, but he, he says to them, there is actually a, a closer relative. And he almost presents, and he says to the closer relative, you are the closer relative, you are the closer redeemer of this elf Naomi. Will you take responsibility? And when the guy heard hey, he can actually get more land. He said, yes, I will redeem it. But when he realized, when Boaz told him, no, but you also have to take the family because it comes with Ruth, he was like, no. Yeah, he doesn't want to take the responsibility. So in that we can see being a redeemer doesn't mean you had the obligation. You could choose. So in that way, you had to be a willing redeemer. So I wanted to show that in that story where the, one, the first one rejects the, 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 the responsibility um, is to show that the, the, the redemption, the redeemer had to be willing to pay that price. And we'll see how that unfolds later. So Boaz showed that he was a close uh, kingsman and that he was willing and able to pay the price. And so if that's, those are the two requirements, to show that you are a close relative and that you are able to pay the price. And we know that Jesus is our kingsman redeemer. He redeems us from slavery. He redeems us um, into eternal life. We were once sinners and he came to save us. And that's that beautiful picture of, in the story of Boaz where he paints that this, he's a picture of Christ. He's a picture of of someone that comes to redeem, and that's the heart of Jesus. And every when, when I read this, it's like, oh, that it just jumps out of you how Boaz represents Jesus, how Boaz reflects in, in, his, in his way, being an honorable man, being uh, caring for strangers, caring and, and bringing the people in, and being willing to redeem and being willing to pay the price. It's such a beautiful picture of Jesus. So if Jesus is our kingsman redeemer... How did he show that he is our kingsman? And how did he prove that? So we read. How did he prove that he is a close relative? So go to Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8. So it starts off. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not Consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. And you see, that's why Jesus became human. He had to identify with us. He had to become our kinsman, our close relative. And if you read uh, Hebrews 2 verse 14, just to confirm, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Amazing, eh? And then it goes on it says Hebrews 2 verse 17. For this reason he had to be made like his brethren. Everyone say brothers. <laughs> his brethren in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Beautiful, eh? And we see Jesus go further than any redeemer. Because Peter, in, the, in, in, in 1 Peter 18, he picks up on this beautiful thing that Jesus redeems, but he also pays a price. The apostle Paul says this, 1 Peter, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Awesome, eh? So in summary, could anyone but Jesus be our eternal kingsman redeemer? This is why he became a man. So the question is, could God perhaps send an angel to save us? Would that qualify? No. Walters, no. <laughs> because the angel wouldn't be our kinsman. And the question, could he send a priest or a, a, a prophet to be our kinsman redeemer? No, because a prophet or a king, they would be disqualified by their own sin. So only Jesus, who was in very nature God, who became flesh and dwelt amongst us as a brother, can be both our kinsman and the redeemer of mankind. So finally, on, um, in Isaiah 54, verse 4 to 8, because we saw, we saw you know, Ruth's heart, we saw Naomi's heart, we saw Boaz's heart, and now we see Jesus' heart as a redeemer. It says in Isaiah 54, verse 4 to 8, it says, and this describes the Lord's heart towards us as our kinsman redeemer. It says, do not fear, for you will not be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. Your redeemer is the holy one of Israel, for the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. With everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer. So what a mighty God we serve. Jesus is our King's Redeemer. And I said to someone else this week, you know, it's great to hear stories of redemption of, you know, where you go, oh, that is Jesus. Um, but it warms my heart when we see in our current day, in this day and age, in present life, in, in, in our midst, when we see Jesus reflected. We, just as we saw Jesus reflected in Boaz, when we see Jesus reflected in our congregation, 
I, just, I was just reminded of the you know, MC in our congregation who was almost not destitute in, in spirit. She's an amazing sp- lady. But she was desperate in her health where she lost her kidney. She was born with spinal bifida. Um, had only one kidney and that kidney was slowly dying. And then one of her close family members goes, I will give you my kidney. And I go, that's Jesus. And it's such an amazing picture of that redeeming quality that Jesus wants to reflect in us. And that, you know, that is a big thing, giving your kidney. But every day when you, when you pray for someone, when you share, my heart warms when someone was you know, shared where he went for a run and then he saw someone and God just dropped in his spirit saying, hey, just go talk to that man about Jesus and pray for him. And, and he stopped his run and you know, his, his smartwatch went from you know, high peak to, <laughs> to leveling out. That reflects Jesus. And I was like, oh, when you pray for someone, when you take someone a meal, you're reflecting Jesus. And and that's the heart that I want to leave you with. So my call this morning is for the people maybe sitting here that that have not said, Jesus, you are my redeemer. That's called on the name of the Lord and be saved. Just like Ruth said, your God will be my God. And I want to call those that that haven't made right with Jesus, say, Jesus bring an invitation out. Won't you make right with, with him? He paid the price. He's willing to redeem. But you have to respond. You have to have that posture of no <laughs> Ruth and go, you know, I'm at your mercy. So if that's you, won't you raise your hand? And I'll pray for you. Um, because it says, you know, if you confess me with, I will confess you before my, my father. So God, I said in the, in, the, in the statement, God made provision earlier. And that means God makes a way for you to be rescued from that slavery of sin. God made provision for you that while we were sinners, Christ died for you. We were lost, we were enslaved, and Jesus wants to redeem so if that's you, come, come chat to me afterwards. I'd love to pray for you because I, I believe God wants to redeem and set free and save. Just like he did all those years ago with Ruth, Naomi. But then a call to the church. I want us to respond and it's, it's for the Kingsman Redeemer, but it's for men and women where we want to say, we want to be, we want to have that heart of Jesus where we go where people look at us and go, hey, that's Jesus. I see Jesus reflecting in you. Where we, we have that desire, that call of our hearts, that daily we want to we wanna present ourselves to the King of Kings and go, Lord, I want to represent you well. I want to be that Boaz in, in a situation, whatever it is. If it's praying for someone, it's taking a meal, it's that putting my, yourself in that position of Boaz and saying, I will take responsibility. I will... <laughs> Willingly pay the price. And if that's you, this is the call for the church. And if you want that heart, won't you stand with me and let's pray together. So the worship team can come up, please.